Hi, I'm Abby Glassenberg, and I want to welcome everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Today, I'm talking with Raya Tomaszewskis, a founding member of a really neat company based in Toronto called Monster Factory. Monster Factory makes incredibly cute and totally original plush monsters that I'm in love with. I think they're just awesome. And their business model is also intriguing to me. So I'm really excited to learn more about that today, too. Hi, Raya. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Hi, Abby. I'm really excited. <laughs> All right, great. So to start out, tell me the story of Monster Factory, like how it began and how you've grown. Okay, for sure. Um, well, we have a little bit of a complicated start, but I'll try and make it more concise. Um, it's We started with... Uh, Adam Dunn and Bliss Man, my two other business partners, um, and uh, I was I met Adam at film school, and um, Bliss was a fashion designer, and she met Adam through working on a film uh, and doing the costumes. And Adam and I actually started creating um, some plush characters together based on a logo he designed for a film company, and um, we got together, and the first few monsters that we created. Um, were a total disaster, uh, and they were like we were just like I don't I don't think this is working. But Adam thought, why don't we ask uh, my my friend Bliss to come and help because she's a fashion designer and she might be able to give us some information on how to pattern draft. So she came along and showed us how to actually make something out of textiles and um, how to take an idea to a finished concept. And we created a line together, sort of just organically, of six characters called the Heartbreakers, and. Um, we thought they were really funny and that there was something to them. Um, and so after the design was created, we thought we should name them. And then we did little character brainstorms for each one and gave them a little write-up. And then we launched them at a really, just a small launch with family and friends in, I think, November of 2003. And we sold out about these 100 characters we made. So we thought, okay, we got to keep doing this. And so... Moving on, we went on to start with um, some smaller trade shows. Um, well, not, I think there were more like arts and craft shows. We did some uh, in Toronto. There's a big show called the uh, the Toronto Art or Art Show, which is a place where we started with like a bunch of different designs. And um, then we moved on to the One of a Kind Show, which happens here in Toronto, Chicago. And I'm not sure if it's still in Vancouver, but it was. Um, and our first One of a Kind Show... I think we sold out in the first weekend. It's an 11-day show. And, um, you know, we just, it kind of just grew from there. So we just kept going with uh, creating more series and more characters. And it really was just a very organic, you know, it came from an art project that moved into a business. Wow, that is really interesting. And I see on your website that the Heartbreakers are still here. They are. Um, we try to keep all of the characters on our website, even if they are unavailable, which is sometimes frustrating for our customers, but just so people can see like all of the characters that we've created. And I think a lot of, you know, people grow attached to them and they don't want to see them just disappear. So we like to have them available, at least so you can see um, sort of the evolution of our monsters and all the series that, that are around. So I think your characters are incredibly imaginative. And I love that, um Although they vary in color, like some are pink, some are blue, some are green, and they have different shapes. Um, each one has sort of a different shape, um, and some of them have different expressions. They look sort of surprised or glad, um, but 
they all have a similar monster factory look, you know, and like I'm feel. wondering, yeah. So mm-hmm. do you have like design guidelines that you follow to ensure that every toy is cohesive to your monster factory kind of look and feel? Well, I would say um, what actually happens is that our our materials almost guide us more because um, it's, I mean, we and, and that we've been working on, on our design and character development for many years now. So there's definitely something that's evolved. But when we started, I mean, we're working with a micropolar fleece that's very stretchy. So it lends itself well to rounder, more fuller shapes. Um, and, you know, if the fabric was different, I think the design, like the end process would be a little different. But um, that I think that our materials kind of guide that that uniformity throughout the design, if that makes sense. Um, but there's three designers, and I think that's part of our strength, which is why our characters um, are all, like some of them are very different in their series. Like if you look at the Forgotten Lore series, a character like Wilma, who looks kind of like a cabbage, is very different than a character like Bradley, who looks like a bright red monster. <laughs> like oh he's my kind god, of like, I love yeah. I love Wilma. Look at Wilma her is cabbage. amazing. She's so great. Yeah. yeah. But I mean so the, it's it's interesting because we we have a very um collaborative design process. So, you know, I might create a character and then Bliss might look at it and say, "You know, I have an idea for something else." And she'll take maybe an element of that character and start to design something else. And then Adam will be like, "Well, hey, I've got an idea as well. Um, and our prototyping process is quite involved and can be quite lengthy. Um, so we might, one character can take, I mean, I can take a, a week to get to the final stage if you're just pattern patterning because we go through lots of discussions on how they should look. So, I mean, there are definitely um, things that, you know, the, the eyes are very, their signature look, the yeah. very stuffed feel is a signature look. And right. that came because we found when we didn't stuff them enough, they didn't maintain their shape. Uh-huh. So a lot of that, of those things that are really monster factory came, I think, out of just making sure that they looked good and they had a clean design and um, and just using the materials that we had available. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. It's almost like the materials guided the design process, but I do think that those eyes are very unique and very signature. They are. They're definitely our Monster Factory look. Um, We have some that have screened faces as well, um, which we love doing, but they're a little bit more difficult to make um, here in our studio because you need to have those pieces um, sort of sent out and then we have to cut them by hand uh-huh. so the the vine like the the eyes are a little bit they're easier for us to make so which one which, tell me uh, the name of one of the series that has the screen faces um for example the monster knots okay so that's kyle douglas and pax and they're also a great example of three monsters who i would say they're uni- they're unified by um color really because their shapes are dramatically different like kyle's a very short sort of round robot and pax is a tiny limbed um personal assistant he he helps douglas who's very tall and he's our Douglas is our sort of, I think he's a scientist. Uh-huh. He loves the cosmos. And so they all work together as a series, and their story um, kind of pulls them together. But I think their design is quite different. 
Yeah, yeah. definitely. And their colors and their faces, they, they have the same eyes as one another, um, although, you know, the mouths are different. But, yes. Uh, but you're right. The unification here comes with the color. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, so you have, I mean, if you look um, at your site, you have over a hundred different characters, which I think is just incredibly impressive. And it looks like you release the new designs twice a year. Have you found that sticking to a limited release schedule helps to build momentum and excitement among your customers for the new designs? Absolutely. I, I, we, I mean, that schedule kind of started out of, um, it came from when we were doing the one of a kind shows because they, they would, there would be one, um, at Christmas and one in the spring. So we'd always be releasing new monsters kind of on a, um, two times a year. Um, but we found that it really works because, um, you know, you can build some momentum and some buzz about the new characters and um, get everyone excited about who's coming. I think we're working sort of like as we move into selling our monsters at, at retail into um, maybe I, maybe a more frequent um, release schedule, but we haven't entirely decided on that yet. But for sure, twice a year has, has always been um, really great for us. Uh-huh. And I'm sure that there are collectors out there who sort of wait wait until the new ones come. <laughs> yeah, and, and we love releasing the new characters. It's it's exciting to add to a series or to create a brand new series. And I mean, that's one of the best parts about um, having a, a monster factory is getting to create monsters. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's what it's all about, you know? Um, exactly. Right. So you started out as a team of three people. And I actually think that that's really unusual for a plush business. Um, you know, it sounds like you each brought sort of different skills and vision to the table. But uh, most plush businesses that I've heard of at least sort of started with a single person and then when they grow large enough to want to do bigger shows or do retail or um, you know get distribution then they end up hiring people to help out so I, I'm kind of interested in the in the the difference of in the in your inception um, so tell us a little bit about how um, how you kind of started and then and then grew a little bit larger um, well so, well, we were all friends, um, and then we started, well, we started out um, just the three of us for quite a long time, and to be, I think having three people was was really great, because it, I, I, again, it gave us some, um, our designs were, are very, there's a variety in the design, and it also um, helped us, I think, do things a little faster, like challenge each other to do things that maybe you wouldn't have done on your own. Um, because you had each other to sort of lean on and be like, we can do this. Like, we can do this big show, even though part of me, when our first one-of-a-kind show, I, I don't know if it had just been me or just Bliss or Adam on their own. I don't think any of us would have done it um, after just a year of creating characters. Um, but, yeah, well, we started in, in, in a living room. Uh, and essentially, we had, some sewing, we had two sewing machines and a big cutting table. And as we got bigger, we just took over that space. And then we were just like, we need a bigger space. Um, and luckily at the time, we um, we found a, a studio sp a space in a place called the Toronto Business Development Center, which offered um, sort of cheaper rental spaces for uh, emerging businesses. 
And so we started out there with a small studio and then we started working with the Ryerson um, fashion program and we started to get interns from um, the fashion program to help us with uh, some of the production. Is that uh, like a local college? It's, yeah, it's a local university. Okay. It's an awesome place um, full of talent and we've gotten some amazing people from that program and um, uh, Bliss is actually a graduate of that program so she had an in <laughs> and um, uh, we've hired people since uh, that were interns so we we really loved um, being able to use uh, those uh, use that those facilities I guess um, it's not the right word but it was very helpful so we, we've had some interns and then we had a small studio space which then went to the second floor into a bigger studio space and yeah we just kept growing um, we now have uh, the business development center has moved and so we have now moved to a downtown studio in Toronto, which is at uh, Richmond and Spadina. And we love it. It's, it's right downtown. We're right in the heart of the city. It's a lot of great inspiration and being around a lot of creative people. So, um, yeah, we just kind of, it was really organic. It was, a, it was small steps, but like growing to where we are now. So how, do you still have just the three of you who are like paid staff members? Um, well, so there's the three of us now um, that we're still all here, uh, and um, we have uh, a studio manager and a, another designer who's been brought on. Her name is Jennifer Jang, and she is amazing. Um, and she's the full time. She's full time with us, and we have a writer uh, who works with us and helps create our content and um, write our characteristics. Um, and we have a designer, one other designer who helps, oh, sorry, more graphic design with okay. our, our graphics and, and whatnot. Wow. So that's fantastic. So that, is that six people now? That's so yeah, amazing. that would be six people. And then of course we have, um, sort of this crew of stuffers, uh, who come in and help us stuff our monsters and they're, they're, uh, a part, it's sort of a part-time thing and we get people in and out that come to help our stuff all of our monsters and that's actually one of the toughest jobs stuffing um and uh we couldn't do it without them that's amazing and i think yeah. that, that's a pretty hilarious part-time job for people yeah, yeah i'm a monster <laughs> stuffer a monster stuffer mm -hmm. exactly um that's great so are they mostly college students yes yes that's awesome. Yes. <laughs> I could use a couple of those in my studio too. Yeah, well, it's, it's definitely um, it definitely keeps things interesting and yeah. uh, and fun in the office. Yeah, that's so that's really pretty neat. So um, these interns um, from the fashion college did do they do or did they do other things besides stuff? Like what else did you have them do? Well, when our interns came in, we actually had them sewing, um, and then as as they sort of stayed with us, we started to have them um, design things like monsters. And um, that was, that's really exciting to see someone sort of step into that process and see what comes out of their brains as characters. So um, yeah, we just sort of trained them on how we work. And, uh, you know, it, it's been kind of awesome to see what came out of that. Yeah, what an but, opportunity for people. Totally. And I mean, it's mostly, mostly when the interns start, they're sewing and cutting and doing like, um, production work, almost like you might do, I would think in fashion, but we're changing that process to monster making. Right. 
Right, right, right. That's that's pretty cool. Um, uh, so I just wanted to go back really quickly to ask about how big are these guys? It's a little bit hard to tell uh, yes. on the site. So how, how big is like the average Monster Factory monster? The average Monster Factory monster is, I'm going to say, like about tenthless ten inches. Okay. I think I think like it they range right. quite a bit uh, a, a bit and they um we have minis too which are around 5 inches tall. I'm, okay. I'm going to say 10 to 12 for our studio edition monsters which are the monsters that we have made here in Toronto. Okay. Um but yeah, around that size. They're huggable. Right. Okay, cool. So um so I wanted I do want to talk a little bit about um maybe we should do that now about sure. um having the monsters made in your studio in Toronto versus having monsters made in a, in an actual sort of factory in the conventional sense, um, you know, like an overseas factory. So, so do you do some of both and, and how did that shift come about? Oh yeah, for sure. That's a great question. So we, um, when we, we have uh, a line of studio edition monsters. Now our studio edition monsters are the monsters that we make here in Toronto, either in our studio or we use a contractor here in Toronto that helps us with some of the sewing. But um, it was, again, another very uh, organic process where we were starting, um, we were selling our monsters direct to our customers, and then um, we really wanted to start to get into the retail market. And uh, we did a couple of trade shows um, of retail, of wholesale shows, and uh we were using the monsters and, and to do those shows, we had to move and find um, someone who could help with the sewing. And that's how we found our Toronto contractor. But it was very difficult to find anyone to work with in Canada. And um, not a lot of people would even, you know, have a conversation with us because we were toy makers and people really don't make toys here. It's not something that they, they'd still make fashion or clothing and and whatnot, but toys were different. So we were really lucky to find someone to work with. Um, and so we did a couple of shows in, uh, in for retail. Um, but really, it just came down to being competitive with pricing, and we, we couldn't do that with our Canadian-made monsters. So um, we then did like took a step back and did a lot of research, and we started to look into manufacturing overseas. And um, our my business partner Bliss is heads our our manufacturing, and uh, she went over to China and uh, went to the factories and did her research and met with people and you know it was just a, it's just about sort of a back and forth um, much like our back and forth with our contractors in Toronto it was very similar where you're you give someone your pattern and they give you a sample and then you have to give them approval if it's good or not given the changes but we've had um I would say some very like we've done really that process of going overseas and having the monsters um created in another factory has been fairly smooth because I think we've always had the mindset that we're making multiples of our characters and because we've had to make them in our studio um the design we've always designed them to be made like we want to make them as efficiently and um, I, I want to say like, you know, repetitively. Um, so 
our patterns have, I just think they translated very easily when we took them to the factories. Yeah, I'm going to um, say, I was going to jump in to say that um, from what I've heard from talking to a lot of different people who've had their toys manufactured overseas, um, two things. One, um, actually going to China and, and um, you know, visiting the factories themselves and seeing things yourself, I think, is a pretty unique thing. It sounds to me like a lot of people don't actually travel. They sort of work through, um, you know, contacts and connections, but they don't actually go and see it themselves. So I think that must have probably helped. And the other thing I was going to say is, um, is that you had, as you said, you had all the pattern pieces and you had already developed a system for making those pattern pieces come together efficiently and, um, and neatly and, you know, so you had already kind of developed that. When you talk to a, um, a factory overseas and you don't have a pattern made, that's when, um, you know, you can have a lot of frustration because the prototype comes back and it doesn't, you know, look like what you had in mind and then there's communication uh, language yeah. barrier and stuff so because you kind of skipped over that piece of it and came in already with a plan and with pattern pieces and sewing instructions and you were there in person I, I'm imagining that's why you've had a smoother experience definitely and just um, yeah and just really doing your research um, I mean and we are making sure to have uh, I know that a lot of people recommend having inspections done, and I mean, you can never be too careful when you're doing um, when you're sending your product anywhere. Um, it it's it's frustrating that it's far away. I think for us, it's nice. It was it's great having um, a contractor here in Toronto that you can just go and see. But I mean, you just have to be patient and really um, be firm with what you want, and um, yeah, and just make it happen I guess uh, so so getting getting the monster the, the these monster factory toys manufactured overseas now did that end up allowing you to have competitive pricing when you would go to the larger trade shows absolutely so that's that's exactly why we we did it because we want to create a collectible brand um, and also we're re the line that we're releasing um, we're launching in uh, May June with this new line of retail minis um, they are smaller, so they're also um, we can put more characters, and we're we're targeting a specialty market, so we can um, really push our characters um, to those stores. So they're smaller. You can put more out. Um, our studio edition monsters, though, awesome, and we love them. They're a lot bigger, and when you're um, trying to create a collectible brand in a store that doesn't have a lot of space, it's hard to put a lot of monsters out. So that we're starting with the minis and. We'll be releasing them in series, and yeah, and and um, we've we've just done a lot of research, and we're really excited about this this retail launch in May and June. Awesome! So I know that um, when I first contacted you, you were just about to head out to Toy Fest West. Yeah. Um, yep. So I I want to hear a little bit about that experience, especially as like an emerging plush business surrounded, I'm imagining, by some more established businesses at a big trade show like that. Yeah. Um, well, it's awesome. It's really exciting to do these shows. Um, you make so many contacts and um, you meet, you just meet great people. And we found that everyone has been really, uh, really nice to talk to. And um, 
And then, of course, you're out there with your product and you're getting to meet retailers and tell them about them. And we've got a lot of excitement behind the brand. So, yeah, the shows have been just just a great time and um, a lot of work. But uh, um, it's really exciting to take something that you've been growing for years and then bring it to market. And uh, and we just can't wait to see it get out there and see people collecting the monsters. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Um, so congratulations on that. That sounds like a really great experience. So um, so tell us what's coming up on the horizon for Monster Factory. What's what's going to be new and exciting coming coming down the line? Well. Um, uh, I already said the the retail launch is coming, so that's that means that monsters will be available across um, North America, and we're working on getting them into uh, into Europe. And like, I think on the horizons, or what we'd love to see is just like monsters all over the world. Um, and uh, I would I would I think we'd like to get the toy brand established and and really um, establish that collectible element of our characters and be able to release, you know, limited monsters that people can collect. Like, you never know. We have so many ideas. Right. Um, but I could, we'd love to expand the product line to include other things, you know, keychains, be great to have trading cards, um, just really uh, grow the Monster Factory brand. And, and who knows, entertainment would be a great thing to add on down the line. But um, right now we're really just focusing on pushing out our our collectible characters into North America. So we're, I just can't wait to see the monsters get out into the world. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, um, and we'll start looking for them in um, local toy stores nearby. That's so cool. And I, I mean, I should also mention, um, we have a ton of really big community uh, online as well with our Facebook. And I don't know if you check those out, but we have a, a, a great um social community that we like where our fans can come and um, sort of take part in contests and communicating with the monsters and um, share their photos so we're also trying to build that as well that's great so tell us where we can find monster factory um, online well you can find us on uh, the best place to go is our website which is uh, monsterfactory.net um, and from there you can find our Facebook page, our Twitter, and our Pinterest, and our Tumblr, and our Instagram. But uh, I would say just go to the website and go from there. Awesome. That sounds so great. Um, and I love, uh, on, I follow you on Twitter, and I love um, the little pictures of the monsters wherever you travel, wherever you're going. There yes. they are, experiencing yes. the world and commenting on what they see. I just think it's hilarious. Well, and we love um, fostering that type of uh, play, I guess, with the characters. I, I love getting photos from our fans and seeing, you know, where they've taken their monsters. Um, we just got a photo from one of our fans of they dressed their uh, Bradley up as uh, Billy Idol and they called him Bradley Idol and it's just making those hilarious comments on and comparing the monsters just to the everyday it's it's awesome it's just really great to see people taking their monsters out and yeah, I'm betting yeah I'm betting a lot of your fans are not just kids am I right you're right yeah we have a uh, we say monsters are for all ages and like it's true you know your grandmother will love them um, your seven-year-old will collect them, and then we've got, you know, that 25 to 35-year-old element that just like to have them in their office and on their desks. Yeah, they are, 
every they're just for everyone. That's right. That's the best thing about plush, right? It's for everyone. It's for everyone. <laughs> that's We're all we big kids. It. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, awesome. Thank you so much, Raya. I think this was a really interesting um, inter interview, something really interesting to learn about. And I love Monster Factory. I hope everybody will go and check it out, and then look for um, look for the retail line in their stores coming up. You know, sometime pretty soon. Yeah, me too. And thank you so much, Abby, for for contacting us and talking to us. It's been awesome. Awesome. All right. So bye, Raya. Bye bye.